0: Lift off. We have a lift off. Good evening, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB. Talk of all the things to begin with today. Can we talk about bingo? Not, not the terrible song you sang in grade school. Um, but bingo cards, because a Decab library has apparently offended non-Christians. This is I it, this seems like such a trivial story, but it's just so uh, indicative of what's going on in society today. Um, a, a lady went to the Toco Hills uh, Avis Williams branch two weeks ago. And there were bingo games for patrons to, of things to check off this summer. I mean, it, it, it's so innocuous, really. Uh, for example, the bingo card had uh, read a suspense thriller, read a self-help book, list the title of a favorite book, read a biography, read a mystery, check out our learning collection, check out our test preparation materials, sign your child or grandchild up for a thousand books before kindergarten. Check out an audio book. Donate a gently used book. Read a nonfiction book. Get a library card. Well, one of them was read a Christian fiction book. Christian fiction is a uh, area within the library. Now, what is Christian fiction? Huh? <laughs> the friend of mine who flagged the story for me is Jewish. <laughs> And he said, "This is where they keep the New Testament, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Christian fiction is C.S. Lewis, uh, the the uh, Left Behind series, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, this this is all Christian fiction. There there's actually a fairly large section of uh, books out there, and and there are for other religions as well. And in fact, uh, the DeCab Library has those other sections as well. Well, somebody complained." that the bingo card had read a christian fiction book on it and they had to get rid of the bingo cards and start over they replaced it i i I swear i had nothing to do with this but they they replaced it with check out a cookbook but still i mean this is what people are getting outraged about these days uh a bingo card at a library that somehow fits people what People are really offended at the slightest things these days, are they not? That They don't feel included. It doesn't represent them. They feel excluded. Now, what about the people who don't cook? Are they going to be offended by the cookbooks? It's just, this is so, Can you you look at something and, and you're offended because it says a, a, a work of Christian fiction. You know, you would probably like a Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. It's actually a good, the Lepine series I'm not a fan of. Ah, uh, but *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*—a great book. Check it out. Read it. You don't even have to know that it has anything to do with with Christianity. It's just a good book. Um, it just—this is so. And, and you know, it, it's not just the non-Christians who are easily offended. the Christians highly offended these days. And I—I I do guarantee you, though, to be fair that if it said check out a work of, of Jewish Jewish fix, fiction or or a, a spiritual book or, or however they phrase it, you would find a Christian who runs to the newspaper to complain. It's just dumb, though. I mean, everybody's got to complain about everything else. You know who else is complaining about things? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's really upset with Nancy Pelosi and last night called her a racist. Well, she didn't use those precise words. Uh, she said that Nancy Pelosi was singling out uh, the n- women of color, in the house democratic caucus which is how they they say racism well today she was confronted by a CNN reporter said, no, no, and no, i'm no, 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 no. not really calling her, her she's not really saying she's a racist it's just for some reason she singles out um women of color and it's, it's, there are democrats starting to lash out at her Can we, we need to do a a brief history lesson. I I think a history lesson would be useful here in light of some poll numbers we have that have come out. Now, uh, let's give you some history here. We need to go back to the 1790s. Robespierre was a leader in the French Revolution. Uh, He really uh, actually, historians widely agree now, he didn't necessarily want power per se, but uh, became a leading advocate of equality within the um, within the French Revolution. He wanted to um, get rid of the clergy, wanted to get rid of slavery, wanted to ensure universal suffrage just for men, though, not for women. Uh, he didn't like capitalism. He, he was a, a revolutionary. And... In, the in 1793, he participated in government and helped start the Reign of Terror. The Reign of Terror was a moment where there were revolutionaries and counter-revolutionaries. After the French Revolution began to spiral, nothing would settle down. You had Republican forces, Federalist forces, uh, monarchial forces, you had the European forces— and they were battling it out, and, and some would make gains, and others would recede, so some would, would fight back. And finally, the, the Republicans decided they needed terror. Terror needed to be official policy because they didn't want to give up their gains. And so they set up guillotines on wheels, essentially, and can rove them around the countryside chopping off people's heads. They wanted to show that the conspiracy theorists or the conspirators and the people who were trying to set back the gains of the revolution would be dispatched quickly, really without due process, show trials at best. And they began going around the countryside, killing people. Anyone who was rumored to be part of a conspiracy to undermine the Republican forces was killed. And Robespierre became one of the leaders of it. And it was almost one of those things where he he caught the tiger by the tail. And he couldn't let go of it lest he be devoured. And we're seeing that in this country to a degree that they have yet to resort to killing people. Uh, But we see more and more in this country uh, progressives while screaming that Donald Trump is an authoritarian totalitarian running around the country shutting down businesses. You know, because Bernie Marcus, one of the founders of Home Depot, along with Arthur Blank, uh, announced that he supports Donald Trump and wants to use some of his pre-existing fortune to help get Donald Trump reelected, the left is organizing boycotts of Home Depot. Never mind that Arthur Blank, also a founder of Home Depot, is a Democrat and will be giving lots of money to the Democrats. Uh, because uh, um, Bernie Marcus is involved, they want to shut down Home Depot. We see out in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Andy No beaten up by Antifa protesters because he's a journalist who dares to not toe the party line. We see this around the country. We see it in talk radio with people going after advertisers of conservative talk radio shows. We see it with Ilhan Omar trying to launch a boycott against Tucker Carlson for daring to call her ungrateful, which she is ungrateful. A refugee comes into this country and clearly despises the United States and talks bad about it at every opportunity and downplays 9-11. Uh, And and so now she wants to go after Tucker Carlson. We're seeing this more and more on the left. And and more and more we're leading to violence. Mob showing up at restaurants to chase Ted Cruz out or Sarah Sanders out. Mob showing up at Kristen Nielsen's house. um, The former secretary of Homeland Security to keep her awake at night. Things like this. Well, that's what was going on in the French Revolution. And it ultimately led to violence and then led to sustained and organized violence. And legalized violence, and government-supported violence, and ultimately, the revolutionaries themselves were caught up into it. And Robespierre was dragged out of his house and executed. He had risen to president of the National Convention. He was a, a member of the Committee of Public Safety, which really oversaw the reign of terror. And he became an enemy within, and was he was arrested, and he was executed in July of 1794, he was 36 years old. The revolution swept over him, and he was one of the leaders of it. Now, I say all of that because I keep looking at what's going on with some of these super radical members of Congress. Polling from ABC News shows that President Trump, in his re-election bid, would beat a socialist-leaning Democrat by six points if the election were held today. And the Democrats seem to be giving him that. And you have some of these members of Congress who they don't have hard power, per se. They can't really do anything themselves. Like Nancy Pelosi can do something. She can get rid of a committee. She can get rid of committee members. She can reassign people. She can put work on people, what have you. But these people, they they control the mob. Uh, If Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez were to stand up tomorrow and and tell people they they need to go storm a Chick-fil-A, they probably would. And I can guarantee you the way this is going, the Democrats polling continues to collapse and the president's polling continues to go up. And it has nothing to do with what he's doing and everything to do with what they're doing. And the day after the election, if Donald Trump is reelected, we will not have seen Democrats rush to drag someone out of their home and tar and feather them and blame them for everything as the Democrats will with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez since the French Revolution and the revolutionaries dragging Rose Pierre out of the House. The Democrats will make this all her fault. And Bernie Sanders' fault. It will be the far left of the party who will be to blame if Donald Trump wins re-election. And it looks like we're headed that way. And it is going to be delightful to watch this happen. Uh, She has continued to push the Democrats to the hard left. The Democrats are headed that way. And as they do, the president's polling goes up. This is going to be a very interesting situation to watch. The Democrats having a very, very bad week in Washington, and it only looks like it's going to get worse for them with AOC now coming out saying Nancy Pelosi's a racist. I'm just enjoying the music. <laughs> it's Eric Erickson here, the phone number 404- Eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB talk at the top of the hour. Chris Burns from Dynamic Money is going to join me to talk about the Dow uh, going over twenty seven thousand a day, and also the New York Fed has been monitoring. Oh, for the last gosh sixty years or so, I think they've had a recession monitor, um, and it's starting to go off, uh, which is troubling some people within the markets. We're going to talk about that as well. I want to read you something real quick. Uh, Richard Cohen is a progressive columnist for the Washington Post. Let me read you this. The bevy of Democrats running for president seems determined to test my silent vow never to vote Republican, especially for President Trump. The truth is that I cannot imagine that happening, but I can imagine entering the voting booth with about a colonoscopy level of enthusiasm. Please, can we get this over with? At the moment, the party is squabbling over what it is called forced busing to achieve school desegregation. It seems the party has forgotten that, with the possible exception of the Civil War draft, no program has been more hated by working-class Democrats, more whites than blacks, but plenty of blacks as well. In large U.S. cities, busing was seen as an effort by liberals to send white kids to schools they would not, for a moment, send their own kids to. In Boston, the spiritual home of the anti-busing movement in the 1960s, the populace had not been as furious since King George III bivouacked his unwashed redcoats in the tidy homes of American patriots. The leader of the anti-busing movement was Louise Day Hicks, a wife, a mother, a lawyer, and a fearsome racist firebrand. She rode the movement clear into Congress, and she came close to becoming Boston's mayor, losing by only 12,000 votes. But by then, she had proved that busing was loathed in white, working-class America. Mobs formed in the streets, and the cops had to be called. Busing was sometimes the only remedy for school board gerrymandering, which carved districts in such a way that schools were racially segregated. Since you could not move the schools, you had to move the kids. The law, not to mention equity, demanded it. Hicks and others, not to put too fine a point on it, did not give a rip about the law. Busing was an issue that eventually faded, it took Senator Kamala Harris to revive it and remind us that Joe Biden was on the wrong side of history. And on and on it goes. The Democratic Party's on a tear. First came reparations for slavery, a no, noble idea lacking only popular support and practicality, and possibly amounting to yet another attempt to right a wrong with money. Before that, they raised their hands in support of Medicare for all. And on and on it goes. This is Richard Cohen. He he is not a fool. He's a smart man, he's a progressive, he's a smart one, and the left is tearing him apart for daring to write this, uh, saying that we don't need blue-collar voters anymore, we got a new coalition, and he's not sure he wants to be a part of it, and it can't be, I can't tell you the number of people who have come up to me and said, you know, I appreciated you in 2016 not voting for the president, and I'm with you now in voting for the president. This is happening a lot out there. want to play you a clip Um, I think this is important news here this is from uh, Harrisburg Pennsylvania the NBC affiliate there let's see if I can get this pulled up for you. Um, yeah, right here. Let, let's do this.
1: This morning, Lockheed Martin will keep a plant open in the Susquehanna Valley. President Trump requested the Sadorsky helicopter plant in Coatesville to stay open. Lockheed had planned to close the plant, which works on two helicopters due to declining business. More than 450 people work there. You know, that's
0: coverage the president can't buy. Yeah, um, this is a swing state for him. It's a state he won in twenty sixteen, a state that went to the Democrats in twenty eighteen pretty pretty decisively. And now Lockheed Martin CEO uh Marilyn Houston says that the company's gonna keep manufacturing the Sikorsky helicopter in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, after a discussion with President Trump about it. Uh four hundred and fifty people work there. Those jobs saved because of the President of the United States. Now I am not a fan of government intervention. Uh, i I do not think that any President of the United States should involve himself in the decision making of private businesses. But it's really good politics, and you can't deny that either. It is really good politics for the President that this happened. This comes on the heels of, the democratic meltdown in Congress that is continuing to go on. And the Democrats are also having a really bad job with their recruitment. You know, th- th- I want to play this clip from, uh, from John King USA or uh, John King USA. That's the name of his old show inside politics on CNN. Uh, John King anchors the show. John King, long time friend of mine. Uh, he actually got me my start in TV. I, I, I worked on his show, John King USA. I was one of the contributors they hired. Um, but, The Democrats are having a really, 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 really terrible recruitment season. Uh, This is related to Georgia. And I want to get to that, but I want to set the stage for you first with Amy McGrath. Amy McGrath running against uh, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. Amy McGrath ran in 2018 as a hardcore progressive candidate. I mentioned that yesterday. She saying that um, she was opposed to Kavanaugh. She was more progressive than Kentucky Democrats, that she was aligned with the National Democratic Party. And then she had her media rollout tour this week and was
1: asked about Brett Kavanaugh and what she would do. <laughs> Amy McGrath is off to a very rocky start in what was already an uphill race against the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Just days into her campaign, McGrath is apologizing for a flip-flop flip on a question any decent Senate candidate should have been prepared for. Would you have voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court? McGrath told the Louisville Courier-Journal yesterday she probably would have voted to confirm Kavanaugh if she were in the Senate at the time. Then a very quick retreat on Twitter. Upon further reflection and further understanding of his record, I would have voted no. I will make mistakes, the candidate says, and always own up to them. The priority is defeating Mitch McConnell. Today's headlines back home, a campaign nightmare. Here's just the Courier Journal. Would Amy McGrath have voted Kavanaugh onto Supreme Court? Depends on when you ask her. Uh, uh, there are some things a candidate gets a pass on in the minutia of policy. You're running for Senate against Mitch McConnell you got to have an answer on Brett Kavanaugh. That's kind of campaign 101, right? Yeah,
2: and uh, especially if you're running against Mitch McConnell, judges is the thing you're going to want to be talking about. What a disaster. (laughs) This is just a disaster. I'm not sure what was worth being uh, for Kavanaugh or then having to flip
0: so quickly and say you weren't. (laughs) Y'all, this is the Democrat star recruit in Kentucky. She was in the military. She ran for Congress. Now, that should have been the indicator they didn't want her. And if we're honest here, they didn't actually want her. They couldn't get the person they wanted, and so they went to her. She was their number two pick. The reason they didn't want her is because she ran in the most Democratic uh, district in Kentucky in 2018 and lost in a wave year for Democrats. She's a terrible candidate. She is a terrible candidate. And Democrats in her first 24 hours threw her $2.5 million. And now they're livid, livid about all of this. And that leads us to Georgia and the Democrats recruiting nightmare in Georgia. So here in Georgia, the Democrats really, 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 really try to get Stacey Abrams to run for the Senate and Abrams wants a do-over against Brian Kemp. So she's nothing doing. So Theresa Tomlinson came out. She is a former Republican. Now the mayor of, or then was the mayor of Columbus, Muskogee County, one of the consolidated city county areas of the state as a Democrat. She's uh, pro gay rights. And the Democrats thought that would help her with progressives. But the problem is, the um, <laughs> the problem is that she was once a Republican. And that is a sin for Democrats. It's not enough that Theresa Tomlinson repented. There is no repentance here. There's no grace. She can't be trusted because she's fairly pro-business. So Ted Terry has come out. Ted Terry is the mayor of Clarkston he's 36 youngest mayor in Clarkston's history um, very very progressive uh, Ted Terry as mayor grew a resistance beard they call him the Millennial mayor which is all you really need to know about him um, he, he grew a resistance beard to protest Donald Trump and uh, went on the the queer eye show and, and they made him cut it uh, trimmed it up uh, super hipster mayor uh pro-marijuana probably smokes it um don't know that for sure but he sure does like to uh, have Clarkson advance the pro-marijuana agenda also uh, real real big and skyrocketing the minimum wage um wants real big clean energy standards and it loves sanctuary cities absolutely love sanctuary cities David Perdue is driving the Democrats insane here in Georgia because he is a competent, successful businessman and also aligns with the president on a host of policies. And so that has given Democrats license based on what Stacey Abrams did. That's given Democrats license to think we're going to move far to the left. Now, you got to keep in mind, one of the things that everybody keeps forgetting is that in 2018, one of the things that happened is the Republicans abandoned their door to door effort in the metro Atlanta area. Historically, black college students, meanwhile, um, there's an organization of historic black college students. And they went for months on end, door to door in the metro area, knocking on doors, white and black for Stacey Abrams, not because she was a Democrat, but because she was Stacey Abrams. And uh, the Democrats don't have anything like that for 2020. And they're not going to have anything like that for 2020. And what they're going to do is they're going to see a bigger and bigger field of further and further left candidates come in to challenge David Purdue on every sort of thing they can possibly challenge him on. Ted Terry being the latest. um and There are others who are coming in as well. Sarah Rigzamiko, uh, who ran for lieutenant governor, is coming in. Uh, John Ossoff is thinking he may come in. And they're all going to run to the left of each other. The ones that aren't running further uh, left are going to get eaten alive. And that's going to help David Purdue. The Democrats have given up on strong recruitment in Georgia for the Senate. Think about that. Look at 2018. Look at how close Stacey Abrams came. Honestly, she really didn't. She didn't make a runoff. But they're thinking, you know, we, we could get David Perdue. He's deeply unpopular in the metro area, so they say, because he's aligned with, with Donald Trump. That's not actually true, but they believe it. They believe it with a, as an article of faith. And they can't recruit in Georgia. They can't recruit in, in Kentucky. They can't recruit in Georgia. They can't recruit in Texas. All of the states the Democrats need in order to advance a Democratic majority in the Senate, they can't find good candidates. That's pretty striking compared to just 10 years ago. just a reminder if you're headed up uh interstate 75 uh floyd and gordon counties have a severe thunderstorm warning right now this storm is not moving anywhere it just keeps growing so um if you're headed up there be careful otherwise uh really just a, a few scattered showers in the air very very light and small um but more rain is coming into the area when we come back the dow is crossed 27,000 for the first time in history. And at the same time, the New York Fed is starting to worry a recession is on the horizon because of data points that it has monitored for decades. And every time the, they have a certain threshold where it crosses 30 points, uh, it, a recession has come within 12 months. And This is the first time their data point set has crossed uh, that metric. So I asked Chris Burns from Dynamic Money if he would swing by and we could talk about this. I got to ask him if he's seen Toy Story 4, too, because he really wanted to see it, and so do I. I haven't been. I need to go. I've been feeling guilty leaving the house to go see movies because uh, my wife and kids don't want to go. I'm like, why, why am I going and having a long time in a theater to watch Spider-Man or John Wick or all these movies I want to go see? I, I feel guilty about leaving the family to go watch a movie by myself, but I kind of want to go watch a movie by myself. Uh, I still haven't been to see John Wick and it's almost out of theaters and it's supposed to be really, really good in any event. We'll talk about that and more. The phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, wsb talk I also want to commend to you a video that is circulating out there of the Coast Guard uh, jumping onto a moving submarine full of cocaine. It's a narco submarine. It's a small submarine that the drug lords in, in South America are operating to funnel cocaine into the United States. Uh, it's semi-submersible. And the Coast Guard found one. They got a video of it. It's incredible. You just just search on Twitter, Coast Guard Jumps on Submarine. It is amazing video. They jump on this thing and open the hatch. Um, It's just incredible uh, what they did. Really, really fascinating. When we come back, though, let's talk about the Dow Jones and what it means for you and your pocketbook. Good evening and welcome nine after the hour here on WSB. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404 872 wsb talk The Dow Jones Industrial Average went up 227.88 points today to close at 27,088, which is really, really good. And also the first time it's been above 27000 So I reached out to my buddy Chris Burns with Dynamic Money, which you can hear Sunday mornings here on WSB, to see what his take on this is. Chris, how are you?
2: Well, I'm sitting in that traffic. Doug Turnbull keeps talking about
0: him, right? <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah, you just, you, you gotta, I don't know, move, move the family into the office. I gotta ask this question: One
2: hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars was taken, and forty-six hundred was returned from that. The cash on two eighty-five. Yeah. If If you were driving down two eighty-five, as I'm like sitting on right now, and there's cash literally raining from heaven, are you returning that?
0: See, I'm in the finders keepers camp. Although I wonder if they track the serial numbers
2: they're trying to but i just that's like what what movies are made of isn't it like yeah, you just just totally. driving down the road and suddenly there's cash everywhere and, and
0: yes, yeah. i, I mean nothing I, to do with the doubt l- listen they, they got insurance i'm 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 although i do have to tell you i mean it, it, i realized you, you weren't calling in about this but while, while since you bring it up i i am more and more wondering about the theory of a the caller yesterday that uh how do we know that the the guys on the truck didn't orchestrate this and, and they did something with the money and so they're up oh, we we lost one hundred seventy five thousand. well actually yeah they threw some out on the road to make it look like the money was raining i mean i don't know conspiracy theory i realize, but
2: it's possible yeah. i just have a
0: hard time believing you, you just you don't secure i thought this money was in stacks
2: Right. It's just, suddenly <laughs> it's just suddenly floating. It was incredible. Anyway, and the pictures were remarkable.
0: Yes, it, it was it, the
2: one day I didn't take two eighty five. Actually, well, I it was quite. I was. Uh, it was terrible. But
0: yeah, maybe all of the people who took the money are the reason that the stock market, where at least the Dow went up today, they they all started investing today.
2: Well, I love that that we have the Dow going up, and really every economic signal that you could look at looking pretty darn good and yet you have these articles coming out saying that recession is coming very very quickly so i'm sure you've seen this yeah uh, that an indicator so the fed has these indicators they use to basically say is a recession coming likely and one of those indicators has to do with inverted uh, yield curves on bonds, which if we get into that discussion, we will lose all of our listeners very quickly. But basically, that indicator is over 30%. And, and the argument goes, every time in the last 60 years that there's been a recession, that indicator's been over 30%. So we should all be freaking out that the market's you know, going to tank. But the problem is they never ask the opposite question is, well, how often has it been over 30%? when we haven't had a recession, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like saying every time the power goes out at my house, there's been a storm, right? But there's been plenty of storms where the power hasn't gone out. And this is the power. This is what we have to really realize is that, that the way that honestly news media, especially financial media crafts, this is to make us feel anxiety, And when we feel anxiety, the problem is we can actually have very real actions as a result of it. I had a client come into my office last week week that literally was reading an article like this and had moved most of his money into cash because he was really worried the market was about to tank because of an article like this. And so the question is, well, how do we not be reactive investors that are sitting and going every time that we read something that's, you know, uh, the end of the world is coming, and the market's going to crash, and all these kind of things. That we feel peace, that it doesn't cause us to suddenly go, "Oh, holy cow! Do I need to make this massive change?"
0: Yeah, well, yeah, first of all, I, I'm perplexed that your your client decided to do all this without talking to you first. But <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, how about prospective client? That's yeah, like, okay. That's the all right. Reality, yeah. Well, yeah. all right, Chris. So the
2: positive side of this is, Eric, you have me as long as you want me.
0: Well, right. there, <laughs> yeah. there, there you, you go. go. New <laughs> co-host for Atlanta's Evening News <laughs> exactly here. Right. So, okay, so what should people be looking at? when? Because, you know, there is the sense, uh, you and I have talked about this, that that I, I always have this sort of sense. When things are going really good, you're suddenly thinking, okay, the bottom's going to be dropping out soon. And and I hear this from people with the stock market. that The, the Dow keeps doing so well. When's the bottom going to come? When's the bottom going to fall out of it?
2: Yeah, I totally understand that. And so my favorite – I'll give you my bias here. My favorite show of the year that I do every year is the first show at the beginning of January where we look back and look at all the predictions that were made the year before in the market, and then we just make fun of them, right? Because here's the issue. No one has any clue when that's going to happen. Is the market going to tank? Of course it is, right? But is that going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? Nobody knows. And is the market going to take off? My my favorite example of this, and I bring it up a lot – is right before President Trump was elected, the entire world was screaming that the market was going to be death and destruction. And then we went on to have one of the best years in this bull market, right? I mean, nobody can predict that. So here's what we do. I'll go back to my, my storm analogy for a second. You have to focus on what you can control. And you have no power over, or no control over what makes the power go out of your house. It could be a storm. It could be an old tree branch that falls. I mean, who knows what it is, right? You could spend all your time trying to fix those things or you could go buy a generator and then suddenly you have peace because you know that you have no control over the power going out, but you've already created a plan that says if it does go out, I'm going to be okay anyway. And so my advice to people is stop looking at reacting to what's going on because no one knows when this is going to end and focus on what you can control. So how old are you? How close are you to retirement? What does that mean for the amount of risk you should be taking? Because once you know those things, you don't need to worry about trying to predict what's going to happen because you create an investment plan that says, even if this does happen, I'm already prepared for it. I've already created the risk that I can handle based on it, that I can stick with. And when you have that kind of peace, you can ignore all of the noise coming out of the news cycle every day.
0: Now, I, 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 I like that thinking, but... So how, how does, I, I know I, I can come to you and, and you can help me with these things, but I, I mean, you, sure. what's the balance? Stocks, bonds, where do you go? Is is it true that if, if you're at retirement age or beyond retirement age, maybe you should be more in bonds than stocks right now? And if you're young, you can be more aggressive. I mean, is, does that really hold yeah, up? Yeah. The
2: biggest danger right now, honestly, is because bonds are paying so little, because we've been in such a sustained period of low interest rates, That folks who are close to retirement are in retirement and they're not seeing any sort of return on things that traditionally, that safe money, those fixed investments that were giving them returns in the past, they're really not right now. And so a lot of folks that I meet with that are older or in retirement are starting to hedge into more and more stocks just because they're looking for that return. I mean, the market's up over 15% this year. Mm -hmm. So people are going, I want a piece of that. But what you have to do is sit back and go, it's more complex than this. The possible upside of being really aggressive this year, and maybe the market keeps going up this year, is far outweighed by if the market does drop 20%, which, again, no one can predict, that you could really be putting your you know, retirement in peril. And so the best thing, and, and also what's hard is the complexity here, because when you are, like people like to say, if the market's up, things are good. If it's down, things are bad. But how many fortunes were made in 2008 when the market tanked, right? right? So if you're a younger person, the best thing that could ever happen to you might be that the market tanks this year. And by younger, I mean someone of your age, Eric. Someone very useful, right? I mean, you could be in your 30s or 40s. Excellent. Uh, I like exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> because when the market tanks, everything's on sale. And so it's not, there is no good or bad here. It's totally based on your age and your situation. If you're younger and you can handle that aggressiveness, then stick with it. You'll actually win if the market drops. But if you're older and you're nearing retirement, you do need to pull back for most people. uh, Because if you're basing your retirement, your income off of the amount of money you have in the market, and that thing drops 20 or 30%, it can change the whole course of the next few decades of your life. So don't don't try and get a quick gain in the short term here and put your long term retirement in peril.
0: All right, Chris Burns, we got to leave it there. I appreciate it. Good luck in traffic
2: thank you sir i'm i'm still sitting
0: Appreciate <laughs> right. yeah absolutely that's chris burns uh, with dynamic money you can hear him here on sunday mornings you can also go check out his website DynamicMoney.com. a great great guy uh good resource too uh gotten to be good friends with uh with him over the last several months um Also useful. So let let me give you the numbers before we get out of here, just so you know what we're talking about. The Dow closed over 27,000. First time this has happened. Uh, This year, the Dow is up 16.12%, NASDAQ up 23.52%, and the S&P up 19.67%. Impressive gains. If you're headed up 575, showers starting to fire up north of Woodstock, the Holly Springs, Canton area, north into Jasper, and LJ, you've got rain, rain in the area. Uh, more moving into the area from the south side headed north. Uh, light showers everywhere else, and those aren't strong right now, but they're starting to grow up um, this evening. Uh, the phone number here, 404 872 750 wsb talk uh, is, is it Cimarron?
3: Yep, it's uh-huh. Cimarron, you got it. I yes. like that. Thank you, I grew accustomed to it after time, thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I really <laughs> like that.
3: Well, thank you, it means wild and unruly in description of the Cimarron River in Oklahoma, which <laughs> sounds like unruly for Jesus, and that's all right. So anyway, first, real fast, Eric, thank you so much for your, for your uh, program, I appreciate it. I'm very opinionated, and in some cases, I do agree with you, first of all. Thanks <laughs> for my quick toothbrush. Absolutely. Now, no, I am not an easy sale, but I've got it. You can talk to my husband, and he doesn't like electricity prices, but because I brag about it, he won't want to up there. Okay, now, the reason I called you uh-huh. was about this raining money situation on 85, right? Yep. So my question, and I'm just, I'm not All right, got to be quick. I'm not as bright or brilliant as y'all are. My quick question is how are we going to verify the actual amount of the money that people picked up and what about those people that are praying, God, that you just please help me? And boom, there's the money raining. Right what uh, do we do about that?
0: See, see, that's what Chris and I were talking about. I, I, I think finders keepers, losers weepers here. Now there is a, there actually is an answer though. A, stick around after the break. I've got an answer I for you on this. Uh- Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. So if you recall, the U.S. Supreme Court, and my apologies to those of you on the phone, I'm not going to be able to get to your phone calls now, uh, given this breaking news. Um, We don't have enough time. But uh, the Supreme Court ruled that the president could ask the census question, but that the reason it was formulated, essentially John Roberts was saying he did not believe Wilbur Ross. Uh, Wilbur Ross is the secretary of commerce and John Roberts said the question's perfectly le- legitimate, but all but said he believed Wilbur Ross lied about how it came about and Roberts wasn't going to reward Wilbur Ross for lying. So he said to send it back to a lower court and here are the acceptable excuses for why you came up with this. And, uh, The president basically saying, conceding, they've run out the clock now. They can't print it on the census form. The census has to occur next year. So what he's going to do is he's going to tell the executive departments to talk to each other. And he wants all of the other executive departments, Treasury, Homeland Security, etc., to give the Commerce Department all of their existing data on population so that the um, Commerce Department can figure out exactly how many citizens, non-citizens, and illegal aliens are in the country at this moment now there actually is a reason that it is needed the 14th amendment requires as part of the census a uh, citizenship check because uh, certain rules for congress and financial allocations are based on citizenship not total population that was the argument the commerce department could have used and that's not the argument Wilbur Ross gave Uh, Wilbur Ross's incompetence screwed this up for the president And there have long been rumors he was on the outs with the White House, and it appears that after this is over, having had the president now concede he can't do what he wanted to do, Ross is probably going to be on the outs as well. Power's starting to flare up in the area, uh, hit or miss out there. The president uh, conceding that there is no time to get the citizenship question on the census. He's abandoning the fight. Uh, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, largely screwed it up in court, and there's just no time to redo it. So what the president is saying today, issuing an executive order, telling executive agencies to talk to each other and give the uh, census agency within the Department of Commerce all their data on how many citizens they know of or in the country. It is essentially conceding the fight without doing so, unfortunately. Um, But there you have it. Now, uh, to answer uh, Simran's question earlier and the rest of you on this, the police have camera footage of license plates of people who pulled over to collect the cash on the side of 285 the other day, but they also have the serial numbers of the cash that was in the armored car and they can trace that back. You got your fingerprint on a dollar bill that was in the armored car. Well... They look at the serial number, they find your fingerprint, and they come after you. Are they probably going to do that? Probably not, but they could.